Well, good morning. My name is uh, Austin Kopak, and I'm on staff here at Mercy House. And you can uh, follow along with us at the end of Luke chapter 6 in your Bibles. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? This is the question that Jesus asks the crowds at the end of his sermon in this chapter. It's one of the main questions we get to when we think about what does it mean to follow Jesus, right? We have this question of who do they say that I am? Who is Jesus? But also this, okay, you call me Lord. Why don't you do what I tell you? In this last section, Jesus gives us two illustrations, which especially highlight how being a follower of Jesus requires integrity if we are to avoid being hypocrites. We must be followers of Jesus indeed, and not in name only. Literally, uh, integration of word and deed, integrity. But what do these illustrations of gardening and architecture uh, actually have to do with each other? I think we'll see that there's a, a message that weaves these two together really well. So starting with the first illustration in verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil of his uh, out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't think you have to be a farmer or a gardener to understand this one. Certain types of plants produce certain types of things. We were traveling with my wife's family a couple of weeks ago, and we regularly go on long walks to the countryside. And I was frequently impressed by the ways that. Uh, my mother-in-law especially, could identify plant species just by looking at the shapes of the leaves, the arrangement of the leaves, the kinds of flowers they had on them. And what often for me began as, look at those pretty flowers, uh, became, which was the extent of my knowledge on plants, uh, would turn into a discussion about genus and species and, and where else we've seen these ones and, and stuff like that. But the reason that we can identify plants is because they're not random, right? <laughs> that one type of plant produces one type of flower, and will only ever produce that type of flower. Similarly, uh, you can't produce different kinds of fruit without becoming a different kind of tree or different kind of plant. So this first illustration is telling us that our heart, the core of who we really are, is gonna be revealed by our words and our actions. The type of plant that we are, right, the type of uh, heart that we have, is gonna become evident by the fruit that works itself out from our lives. So where your treasure is, what you value most, is going to become clear by what you say and do and by what you prioritize in your life. While this is true in general, the second illustration about the house highlights the fact that this becomes especially obvious in times of crisis. For example, at the moment we are beginning to weigh the sustainability of our economy against the lives of those who are vulnerable. We're weighing our personal freedoms against the safety of our neighbors. Right, these pressure points begin to reveal where our treasure is as a society and as individuals. Now, verse 46 gets us to the central mess or central question of this passage, right, that we started with. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? This is what Jesus is driving at, this integrity between being hearers and doers, right? Those who, who practice what they preach. He says in verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. 
when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, uh, if you were to come over to my house right now, um, and for those of you in the Northeast, it's raining at this moment, uh, you would find that our yard is just a bog. It's just a giant pit of mud. This happens every year, and it's because uh, we live in a clay field. And we not only live in a clay field, we live at the bottom of said field. And so all of the water just sits on top of the ground and then slowly seeps towards our house. And uh, clearly they didn't think this too carefully through when they built these houses in the 60s. Uh, our landlords had to go back in and put this whole extensive sub-pump system in to keep the basement from flooding every year, right? Because they built the house in a place that really maybe shouldn't have houses, right? It was an apple tree orchard at one point, which is great because apple trees need lots of water. So, giant clay field, great for apple orchards, not so great for houses. So it matters where you build your house. And when the winds began to rush and howl, notice that question, when, not if, the rain falls in torrents, the floodwaters rise, as hospital beds fill up, as respirators begin to dwindle, the income starts to dry up and rent is still due. As more and more people you personally know become affected, you're going to discover just what kind of foundation you're building your life on. If you have renounced everything to follow Christ, and you put your hope in him alone, you'll find yourself living atop a rock that is unshakable in the midst of any storm. And so this passage is both is a warning to Jesus' would-be followers, saying don't call yourself a Christian unless you live your life in submission to Jesus Christ as Lord. And we have an almost two-year-old right now, so a frequent conversation in our house goes something like this. I ask her to pick her toys up. She doesn't do it. I say, did you hear what I said? She says, yes. What did I say? Put toys away. Did you do what I asked? No. And then I say, why do you call me Papa Papa and not do what I tell you? Now, in one sense, I don't actually say that, but in one sense, I don't care if she heard what I said or not, because if she doesn't do what I actually asked her to do, then she didn't, really didn't understand me, right? She hasn't understood the command as a command from her papa, one who is in legitimate authority over her, unless she obeys it. Now, am I a tyrant that needlessly demands things of her so I can reinforce my power and authority over her? I hope not. I'm a loving father who wants her to grow and thrive, and I know that brushing her teeth and picking up her toys and eating her vegetables and all these things are going to contribute to that end. Similarly, Jesus is warning us in this second illustration that to simply call him Lord and not to live as he has called us to do is not just to lack integrity and, and be hypocritical, which it is, but it will inevitably lead to our own ruin and destruction. This is not because he's this angry tyrant who demands arbitrary obedience but precisely because he's a loving king and savior who wants what is absolutely best for his creation. And what is absolutely best for his creation is intimate union with him for eternity. He is the one who is our creator and Lord, who is love and goodness itself, who is overflowing with mercy towards us. So to reject Jesus and his way of life is to reject life itself. Right? He is the author and sustainer of life. So if you think of yourself as a Christian or call yourself a Christian, but you place your hope in your financial resources, in your performance at work, your GPA, your friendships, your reputation, you're going to start to find the sand shifting under your feet right now. And your life is going to eventually produce fruit, fruit of bitterness, anxiety, fear, selfishness, 
hoarding your resources. If your heart is not already being revealed, then it probably will in the coming months if things continue to worsen. When we make mistakes, when we sin, we tend to think, this isn't who I really am. I'm not actually that person, that type of person. But Jesus warns us that what we say and do, it reveals who we really are. And, you know, quarantine is a good time to come face to face with who we really are, to do some introspection. Whether you're in tight quarters with others and you've got family stresses bringing out the worst in you or maybe the best in you, or you're struggling with being all alone. Solitude is a, an ancient spiritual discipline that we can learn if we let it. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to call him Lord? Well, it, it means to call him Lord, to acknowledge him as Lord, but this isn't insufficient. As one commentator says, to call him Lord and not do what he says is to make the word Lord meaningless. If Jesus truly is Lord of our lives, it means we will live under his good rule and reign. So how do you begin to produce good fruit? Well, you have to become a different kind of tree. John 15, 5, uh, in John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in, abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's only by being grafted onto Jesus, by putting our faith in the grace that he offers through his incarnation, his death, his resurrection, when you put your faith in Christ, God gives you a heart transplant by sending his spirit to dwell in you and transform you from the inside out so that you become this new creation, a new type of plant. And it's only with this heart transplant that we can become the kind of tree which produces good fruit. How do we build a storm weathering foundation? Well, you build your life on the rock that is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You call him Lord, you surrender your life to him as your Lord and Savior. And then you strive by the power of his spirit and his grace to live like Jesus in every part of your life. Well, uh, this is generally when we would begin to transition to communion. Uh, but uh, as we are right now, the church gathered, or scattered, excuse me, rather than the church gathered. Uh, in this time, we're going to wait uh, in patience and in hope looking forward to when we will gather again as church, uh, hopefully in person in, in the near future, um, but maybe in eternity, who knows? Um, so we will wait in patience. And so my, uh, let this be both a warning and encouragement to you that if you find yourself experiencing fear and depression in this time, as many of us are, cast yourself on Christ. He is a solid foundation. He never changes. He is a God who became one of us, who healed the sick, raised the dead, who gave himself up for our sake by suffering unto death on a cross to defeat our sin, and who resurrected in victory over death to reign as Lord, who is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Um, so that's my encouragement to you this morning, and a warning to those of you who have not yet done that, to consider today putting your faith in Christ. So now we're going to transition into a time of Q&A. If you've uh, ask questions in the comments, um, then we'll do our best to, to answer some of those questions right now. And Robert will be joining me for this section. Thanks, Austin. Excellent, excellent word. Um, and very, very timely, I think, for what we're feeling right now, what we're going through. Uh, so a few questions uh, that we have uh, that, that I think will help maybe even clarify even some of the, some of the things that you said. Um, 
you talked a little bit about like fruit, good fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you maybe help us understand a little bit more about what would be good fruit? Sure. So uh, Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So I, I talked about how having this heart transplant means that God himself comes to dwell inside of us mm-hmm. uh, by his Spirit. And so when God dwells in you, he begins to transform your heart. And uh, we have that as, uh, in many ways as character traits, right? Things like uh, love, joy, p- peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are all uh, character traits and, and um ways of, of thinking and, and feeling and behaving that uh, will come out. But of course, those things express themselves in real ways, right? You, uh, in order to have self-control, you have to be in situations where you choose to not do something that you wanted to do, right? Uh, to have gentleness, you have to interact with people who wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't want to be gentle with, mm-hmm. and you are gentle with them. So there are ways in which that fruit starts to come out in the ways we especially treat others. Um, and I think we see this so clearly in scripture where it connects this idea of love of God and love of neighbor, that the way we know that we really love Jesus is that we love our neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. He says, those who, uh, who gave water to me when I was thirsty, right? Those who, who, gave, uh, who visited me while I was in prison, who gave mm-hmm. me stuff while I was in need. Uh, well, that's a good example of what it is to serve Jesus is to serve your neighbor, right? He connects those two things Mm-hmm. Um, and what better time to do that? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's helpful. Um, what about if I'm listening to this sermon and I'm thinking I'm producing some bad fruit, like immediately kind of going to the negatives in my mm-hmm. life? Um, but I'm a Christian. I, I profess, you know, faith in Christ, but have some struggles. Uh, what? Yeah. What would you say to that person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was wrestling through this question, thinking about the trees, right? Oh, yeah. The good tree only produces good fruit. The bad tree only produces bad fruit. So does that mean you're either good and you only do good things all the time or you're bad and you only do bad things mm-hmm. all the time? Well, no. <laughs> uh, both, I think, our experience doesn't bear that out. And I think the rest of Scripture doesn't, doesn't give us that impression. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as Christians, right, this is, we see this as a work in progress. Um, so on one level, you can be assured that if you have put your faith in Christ, you are living uh, you, um, under his grace, then you will eventually bear fruit, mm-hmm. right? But that comes in seasons, and it takes time, and there's a certain inevitability about it. Yeah. Um, but it takes time for God to prune, as V was was praying before this reading after reading mm-hmm. the scripture, that God prunes and he, and he does things to sanctify us and transform us over time. Um, but the important thing is you've been grafted onto Christ, and so over time, whatever bad fruit was in your life will be slowly replaced mm-hmm. by good fruit. Um, and I, you know, I would challenge some of you to look yourself in, in the mirror and, and maybe, uh, maybe you aren't yet a Christian, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're seeing things in your life and you're thinking, well, maybe I, maybe I did miss something. Yeah. Um, and you'll, I think you'll notice this of how do you respond to that conviction, right? Do you get self-defensive mm-hmm. and, and, and want to turn away and look away from that? Or do you accept it and say, actually, yeah, I, I'm not of producing good fruit. Mm. I, I need Christ to transform my heart so that I become someone who produces good fruit, but I'm not that right now, right? And, and that's what it is to understand the gospel, is to recognize that I, you start from the place of, I'm a sinner. That's right. right? I'm, I'm not the one who is perfect, has it all together, has all the good fruit. I am the one producing bad fruit, mm-hmm. which means I need someone else to come and, and change my heart so that I become that kind of person. Yeah. 
yeah, either way, if, if I'm not sure I'm a Christian or I am a Christian, I need to go back to the gospel. And so either way, I'm going to get the right remedy for whatever it is that's causing the bad fruit. Either I'm not a Christian or I just need to mature uh, more as a Christian. So that's helpful. That, that, that's helpful. very helpful. Um, maybe uh, drilling down a little deeper in that, just what do you think the, the daily life looks like in someone who is growing in their production of fruit, good fruit? I think it starts with, um, in a lot of ways, it's going to start with repentance, Yeah. Um, which I think is the hard part is we want to think, well, if I'm growing in holiness, I'm growing in righteousness, I'm going to be more holy. So that's going to be obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it does become obvious to other people. I don't know that it always becomes obvious to us. Yeah. Um, mm, that's so true. So as the Holy Spirit continues to convict you of sin, you see deeper and deeper your weakness and your yeah. need for the gospel. And so I... I think growing in sanctification, growing in holiness, is a lot of times growing in weakness. It's growing Mm -hmm. in your dependency on Christ. But as you lean further and further into Christ, you're going to start to see, um, or other people Mm -hmm. are going to start to see and notice, you don't don't talk the way you used to. You don't act the way you used to. You're Mm -hmm. not as selfish as you used to be. Uh, You don't get angry as quickly as you used to. Um, You're way more patient than you used to be. you seem a lot more content in the midst of hard circumstances. What's what's going on? So I think other people are going to really start to notice that fruit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this section is on obedience. And I think we, you know, we, we want to go back to the gospel in that. But part of part of that is this call to strive and, and work out holiness in our lives. And, and there is some role that we play in that, mm. right? That we were working with the Holy Spirit um, to be sanctified and... So I think we should be, as you're engaging with scripture every day, because um, that's how you come back to, well, what does is, what is my Lord command of me? You go back to the word and yeah. you, you study the word and you say, okay, what is this calling me to do? It's calling me to turn the other cheek. Okay, wow, yeah. I need to learn how to love my enemies and turn the other cheek. And did I do that today? No, okay, mm-hmm. repent, right. try again tomorrow. That's right. um, and so as you continue to try to strive to be holy, you're going to keep failing. But that failure is going to lead you back to the gospel and yeah. back to the grace. Yeah, yeah. And as you do that, you are going to start to succeed over time. And you are going to find some of that fruit. The things that were really hard for you before are going to become easier and easier uh, for you to, to be patient and to be more kind and loving or to not immediately burst out and respond in anger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah think about what Jesus says in John 15 when he says, if my words remain in you and then you can ask whatever you wish... And that this is going to be, it's going to bear fruit, right? And so this ongoing intake of the word, confession, repentance, mm-hmm. obedience, prayer, asking for grace, and and it it can feel like you're just in a circle, but really you're in a spiral up, mm-hmm. right? So every time you 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 meet your sin head on with the word and prayer, you you repent, you spiral up one more time, and so it it can feel like I'm in this cycle, but really you're you're growing mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. There's some sometimes steps back, steps forward, but uh, there's a, a progress there. Yeah. So, and I do think we see as in the, in the second part of the illustration uh, or second illustration, just how much times of crisis do you sort of reveal that? 
yeah. reveal how that work has happened. And yeah. you might not, it might not be always as obvious in the daily life yeah. as you're going about your routine. I think it's when everything starts to fall apart, That's right? right? When the storm comes, yep. you're like, oh, hey, look, I'm, I'm on top of a rock. Uh, I'm not on sand. Yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah. I thought that was one of the most helpful things of your sermon, from mm-hmm. your sermon, was the idea that the testing is what really reveals what's going on faith-wise in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we tend to do the opposite. We say, well, it's a hard time, so I'm behaving this way. But the Bible actually seems to indicate the opposite, that it's a hard time, therefore I'm being tested, therefore it's revealing what's really inside. And, and that's not to condemn us, but so that we can accurately assess our fruit and, and then ask for forgiveness and repent and grow in the midst of that, that suffering. Um, that probably is a good segue to this next question. So this is Jason. Um, he says, how do you turn head knowledge into heart knowledge? It's a great, great question. We've, we've hit around this topic some, but I hope you say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I often think these are sort of a, a false dichotomy in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, yeah, I guess going back to that, you know, illustration with Eleanor, you know, she, I'm like, did you, did you hear what I said? Yes, I heard what you said. Yeah. Why didn't you do it? <laughs> uh, so there's something tied into understanding. If you really understood it, you, yeah, you would have yeah. done it. Um, so I think maybe going back and saying, well, maybe, maybe I don't really know it. Right? I don't really understand all the implications and how it all fits in together. Um, otherwise, I would be doing it. Right? If I really yeah. understood this was good for me, yep. then I, I would want that because it'd be, I would see it as something that is good for me. So I think there's some sense in which we want to go back and and be confronting ourselves with that knowledge again and not yeah. just like, well, I already know it. Um, now I've got to strive to put it into practice or something. Well, if you really knew it as the good thing that it is, then yeah. you would want that, right? Your, your heart would be transformed to want to do that. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, um, that's good. Uh, yeah, if you have... Yeah, I mean, even the, 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 you know, the passage saying, the way you dig down deep is you obey what you've heard. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty simple. Like, it's not that mysterious. He's like, hear the word and obey it, and this is how you dig down deep. This is how you lay your, put your, you know, your life on a foundation. So, yeah. Um, and then when you don't, you confess, you repent, mm. you ask for grace, um, and that process is what bears the good fruit. Yeah. So I think I do think, you know, sometimes we we downplay. I think I think there's an element of, of practice to this. Mm-hmm. That you know we think about like, oh, I'm gonna have this heart transformation, and then suddenly I'm just gonna be yeah. this wonderful, amazing yeah. person. Yeah. Um, That's good. But the church is often thought about this in terms of spiritual disciplines, which are disciplines, right? They, they take work, and yeah. it's the spirit working those things out in us. But we're we're working with the spirit to do that, and I think those are sort of baby steps, right? You're okay. Uh, I'm really struggling with anger. I know I'm not supposed to get angry, but I'm struggling with anger. Uh, okay, what's what's one little moment where I would normally get angry? Mm. Okay, in that moment, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna take a breath. I'm gonna pray, God. I'm struggling with anger. I'm going to hand this over to you. Give me your peace right now. Give me your grace and mercy in this situation that I would show mercy in this situation and start there. Mm-hmm. And it might start with those little tiny moments, but eventually you're going to get better and better at showing 
uh, showing that patience and mercy, or, or oh, I want to be a really kind person, or a really generous person, right? We talked about this with generosity a couple weeks ago, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to wait till, or last week, I'm going to wait till I'm really rich, and then I'll be generous. Right. Well, no, that's not, that's not how learning the, the uh, getting the gift of generosity works. Yeah. It's, hey, I have five bucks, I'm going to give some of it away, and then well, later, when you have $500, it's a lot easier to give some of it away, and so on and yeah. so on. Yeah. So start baby steps. Yeah. yeah. And I see the aspect of community as well, right? Like we talked about this on Wednesday, those of you that were on the call with us, um, where you know Jesus is saying, take the plank out of your own eye so you can see to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. And, you know, he's describing when we do have an incoherence between mm. what we say we believe and how we, how we live is that intersecting with community people are like hey you're not living coherently with what we say we believe and oftentimes we're blind to it i mean that's the whole you know the reason he's saying you know get the plank out of your eyes because you're blind and and so community helps us um our if we're married our spouses help help that um and we have to be open to it Uh, so great stuff great stuff well, I don't think I have any more questions, so we're going to transition into a time of prayer, but I appreciate you the work you Thank did you. on that and uh, giving us a good word, Austin.